ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have you with me, guys. We've got Gerald Broussard, who joins me on Wednesdays, coming up in about 15 minutes. Dr. Maggard, AD at UL, is coming in for eight uh, for a couple minutes. Talk about some of the promotions happening, among other things. Chris Landry former assistant GM for the Tennessee Titans and a guy that is a professional football scout for years. Runs LandryFootball.com. He's worked in NFL front offices, worked with college programs. He's going to join me at 8.15 this morning. He watches the film. He knows the teams. We're going to talk UL, LSU, Saints, and more with him. Definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to that. Talked to Chris a number of times. It's been a little while since he's been on the show, but uh, he's always fun. Couple of things to get into before we bring G on board. One, one more. First of all, one more sleep. One more sleep until NFL football, and that's a beautiful thing. Bills, Rams, tomorrow night, it's NFL football on our TV. Not preseason, not hard knocks, even though I did watch the finale last night. Shout out Dan Campbell. Not your fantasy football draft or a talking head going, no, real freaking NFL football. Let's go. Let's go. It feels like, you know, between week zero and then week one and how wild week one was, in college football, just storylines galore. As usual, there's plenty out of LSU that don't really have anything to do with the game itself. As wild as that game was, now the stories are about press conferences and current and former coaches speaking in public. Brian Kelly, who is clearly joking, his humor is just a bit bit odd it's a bit odd but he's just you know playfully ribbing at some reporters and uh one reporter she uh she ribbed right back right back actually we'll open it up to this late arriving uh media crowd that uh must have uh enjoyed the the weekend um that's usually ten dollars um that we put in the kitty um, for we'll have a big bash at the end of the year at my place. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with what. Did you hear? Did you hear? Maybe if you win, we'll be on time. <laughs> oh my God. Now, 
the um, woman who said this, I, gosh, I don't remember her name. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, and I feel bad for that. She was just, she was just joking around. She was just joking around. She was messing around. She said, look, he was joking. I talked to him afterwards. No harm, no foul. It's just, just a joke. It's just a joke. That's all it was. Everybody needs to calm down. And the thing is, even though it was just a joke between her and him, and they laughed about it, and they made jokes afterwards, and he apparently told her, oh, we need to start implementing fines. And she's like, well, if I made your kind of money, it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, that's just good ribbon back and forth. But once something like that happens, the clip's there, and then everybody's like, oh, my God, the disrespect. Nobody cares. Nobody likes Brian Kelly. Guys, it has been one game. One game. And they played bad, and they lost in pretty memorable fashion. They had a chance to win. We all know what happened. One game. And this is what the media circus has been like. Man. And then you have the former LSU coach. Mr. Ed Ogeron, shout out Coach O, who was speaking at the Touchdown Club in Little Rock and just being about as real as it gets. I'm so grateful of my time, fellas. You, That was my opportunity. You know, coaches got a shelf. Some coaches got 50 years. Some coaches got 12. Mine was six. Good. I got to tell you, we had a meeting. Hey, coach, things are not going well. No shit, Jay. Ray Charles can see that, brother. <laughs> and they were good. And, and Scott Woodward is a friend of mine today. Really, really, a lot of respect for the way they handled me. So and what's I, next? Well, well I got to tell, tell you this, though. Say, Coach, you got $17.1 million on your contract. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> I said, what time do you want me to leave? What door do you want me out of, brother? <laughs> I mean, just being real. Like, it's kind of funny. Actually, it's very funny. Like, you going to do what? You going to pay me the money? All right, cool. See ya. It's like, I got six years. I, he won a national title with one of the greatest teams of all time in his home state. He had six years. He went away. He gets to live a legend. Gets paid an exorbitant amount of money. You know, a lot of college football coaches that are head coaches, they get fired, that are notable names, that have big buyouts. They they like they try to get right back into coaching. And if they can't get a job, they go be one of the, the 72 assistant staffers that don't get to actually have the official title of coach in their name, but go work for Nick Saban for a year or two. Because they just can't get away from it. And Coach O's like, I'm going to Destin. There's only one coach, Joe, who that kind of sort of just honesty and, and brevity about something, you know, as regards to losing your job. And he would, I, I, I feel like he would be good on college game day. He would be. I don't think it's going to be him. And Lee Corso, God bless him, 87. He's just, he's, this is, this is clearly it. But, um, 
Front Office Sports, or rather the New York Post, reported yesterday that Pat McAfee is joining ESPN's College Game Day as a full-time member. So he'll be on the show this Saturday in Austin for Alabama, Texas. Now, between the, the celebrity picker, which last week it was someone named Jack Harlow. I don't even know who that is. And then you have Reese Davis and, and Lee Corso and, and, and Kirk Herbstreet. You throw McAfee into the mix. Very different, right? Very different. Stands out. And kind of just... It feels like five five people on the set feels like a lot. But McAfee's good. He understands the game. He understands the entertainment side of it. And seems like something they want to try to keep moving forward. Now, see, Corso, I said it. You can't just replace Corso. You can't try to find another type of league course. So the difference is if McAfee is the route you're going to go beyond this season when Corso likely can't do it anymore. Like Lee Corso was just college game day and that was his thing. McAfee's got his hand in a lot of different cookie jars and he's great at all of it. But college game day would just sort of be another skin on the wall for him. It wouldn't be the buckhead. It wouldn't be the skin. It wouldn't be the thing. Like Lee Corso, I mean, how many of you listening remember when he was a head coach? How many of you listening even know where he coached? Anybody? I mean, he hadn't coached since the 1980s, and it was at Northern Illinois in Indiana. And then in the USFL for a year. He coached at Louisville in, in the 60s and 70s, coached at Indiana for a while. And like that was a long, like that's my point is when you think of Lee Corso, you don't think of anything else. And if you could find somebody that could, you know, right when they slip into the role, they're not going to be college game day, the only thing you think of. But if after five, 10 years, that's kind of what you think of. But then again, that's not what they should do. And that's not what they're doing. You can't replicate Lee Corso. You just got to go a route that's different. It's going to be interesting to see. But it looks like McAfee's the guy. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Hard Knocks, season finale last night. I just talk more about it later. But Dan Campbell, God bless him, that dude. The last shot of the whole season is the producers of Hard Knocks are asking assistant coaches to say the 2022 Detroit Lions will be. Fill in the blank, right? And so they're filming them. The Lions will be blah, blah, blah. He's a Dan Campbell. And I kid you not, the, the camera stayed on him for over a minute, and he's twirling his goatee, and he's starting to tear up, and he's like, I'm like, this this, this guy. I'm like, what's he going to say? Then he pauses. I can go a lot of different directions with this. The 2022 Detroit Lions will be the team that can and will. And then, boom, it ends. And he was tearing up just thinking about his men. All right, men. 
guys are as emotional as Mets fans right now. We're all panicking and just this free fall downward spiral the team is going on right now. Some of the Yankees stank wore off on the Mets. Actually, let's be honest. The Mets always got to have that stank even when they're good. And here they are getting beat down by the Pirates while the Braves can't seem to lose a dang game. You know what? Y'all don't want to hear me complain about baseball. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. Gerald Broussard, the G-Man, color analyst for Rage of Cajun Broadcast. He comes on with me Wednesdays during football season. We're going to talk Cajun football. We're going to talk other stuff, too. Get G's thoughts on that Coach O clip on week one in college football. NFL season starting, and, of course, plenty of Rage of Cajun football. Dr. Maggard in at 8 for a little bit. Chris Landry at 8.15. You don't want to miss that. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. Don't go anywhere. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with the chicken. Move me! To the end zone. Touchdown, Louisiana. Johnny Lumpkin with his second touchdown catch of the night. And the Cajuns have put this one away. It's 23-7. to You know how the offensive linemen always lift the guy after he, he scores? Nobody's lifting Johnny. I mean, you know, they ought to be lifting the big man. Big man lifts the big man. Get a little vertical. Pick Johnny up. He scored us twice, Bird. He deserves to be lifted. And he's off. That was Jay Walker and Gerald Broussard on the call from Saturday's Raging Cajun football game. Gerald Broussard, as he does on Wednesdays during football season, joins me now from Parts Unknown. Good morning, G. Who's the heaviest player you ever lifted when you played? <laughs> well, we, we had a guy, we had two, two guys when I was playing that were really thick. R.C. Mullen, who ended up playing for a while, who was my backup. We call him Big City. And uh, and then had another guy from from Bray, Oklahoma, named Bart Latham, and and, and Bart, who since passed, uh, you know, rest in peace, old Bart. I saw him a few years back, and he's still a peach or was a peach, but uh, Bart was Bart could chug beer standing on his head, and uh, now he he didn't always get up real good after he was done with it, and so a couple times I thought I'd slip the desk trying to get the big man up off the turf. He was about three sixty. But he didn't offer any assistance with the little, you know, the little jump. And I thought, I, I really did. I was when he scored. I'm thinking, oh, now somebody's got to go pick him up. But you know, you don't have Osiris in there, who, who, who you know, 360 pounds to go lift him. Uh, I really wanted Dirty Dave, Dave Hudson, to show a little extra explosiveness with his 265 pounds and go pick the big man up. But but nobody did. I was disappointed. He. On his first touchdown, though, he got lifted. So I, maybe it's just late in the game, you know, tired legs, cramping week one. I don't know. But, you know, or maybe they just were like, look, last time we lifted him, he just he never stopped talking and giving us grief that we didn't lift him high enough. Seems like it might be Johnny's fault somehow, you know, since he's a Falcons fan. That's what I'm rolling with. Yeah, I, no, no excuse. No excuse. I mean, you score, you celebrate them all as if they're your only one to ever have. 
and, and, and you got to pick him up. I still think about Jerron Odom picking up Brent Bear after he would kick an extra point or a field goal. And I was just thinking, I think the whole time, just don't drop him. You know, because Jerron was big, really, really big. And when he picked Brett up, he'd get, I mean, just super high. And, um, you know, I'm thinking the practice makes perfect. The more Johnny scores, you know, uh, the better they'll get at it. And I look forward to more lifting in the future. You being a former offensive lineman, um, Coach Ed Ogeron, a former offensive lineman, most folks don't know him from his old line days at Northwestern State. They know him because he's Coach O and, you know, all of his years of coaching and his time um, most recently at LSU, the way it ended. But did you did you happen to catch what Coach O said at the uh, the Little Rock Touchdown Club yesterday? Yeah, I, I heard what All he right. said. In fact, he, he let, let's, said let's, exactly. let, let's play the clip real quick, and then I want to get your thoughts. Let's play it real quick. Okay. I'm so grateful of my time, fellas, you. That was my opportunity. You know, coaches got a shelf. Some coaches got... 50 years, some coaches got 12, mine was six. Good. I got to tell you, we had a meeting. Hey, coach, things are not going well. No shit, Jay. Ray Charles can see that, brother. <laughs> and there we go. And Scott Woodward is a friend of mine that I really, really, a lot of respect for the way they handled me. So, and what's I, next? Well, well I got to tell, tell you this, though. Say, Coach, you got $17.1 million on your contract. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> I said, what time do you want me to leave? What door do you want me out of, brother? <laughs> your thoughts, G? Yeah, well, I saw I saw uh, Ed at the, at the screen. Ed was actually a defensive lineman, too, Scott. He played D-tackle. My bad. And, uh, Why did were, I think he was we an were... old lineman? I, I, that's my fault. My fault. All right, he was a no, D-lineman. It's, it's all good. Yeah, he, he uh, Ed and I were in the high school all star game back when they used to have the the Louisiana State high school all star game, and we we were teammates in the summer of nineteen hundred and seventy nine, and so been known him since, and and uh, yeah, and so he had signed with LSU and then transferred for, to Northwestern and stuff, and we we've seen each other a few times, had a lot of talks, had a lot of good times, uh, just visiting. So I saw him at the scrimmage, the first scrimmage for the Cajuns, you know, his son is, right. is an analyst. there, one of the boys. And he told me verbatim word for word, that same story. And so I know he's been <laughs> practicing it for all of his, his speaking engagements that he's having, but, uh, you know, and then he went, went on with it and he, you know g man he said one thing they can't take and he pulls his money clip out and i'm thinking okay he's going to show me his, his all, all his cash but on the money clip it said uh, 15 and 0 national champs and i told him i said you know but you're right you earned that they can't take that from you <laughs> but he's hanging out on the, on the beach in miami or somewhere in miami living down there with his new girlfriend and uh yeah and when i when i heard the clip i'm thinking okay he's been practicing he, you know, you look at Coach O, he wins a national championship as the head coach at LSU, which is his home state, for a team, Gerald, that is arguably the best ever, one of the best ever. And yeah, it, 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 it went downhill after that really quick, but it wasn't that long ago. I mean, people are going to remember most about his tenure is that team. And, you know, now he just gets... 
uh, what time you want me to leave and what door you want me to go to, brother? You know, and like you said, he practiced it. <laughs> now he's just being like, yeah, I, I'm good. I mean, I feel like a lot of coaches that, that, you know, I mean, and you're a former coach. Maybe you can speak on this certainly better than me. But I've seen head coaches get fired at schools that have, you know, sizable buyouts. Maybe not one that big, but, you know, it's pretty big buyouts. And, like, they, I mean, they just, they, they can't stay away. They, they, they either try to get a, another job right away or an assistant job, or they go to Alabama and they, you know, they grab one of the however many extra jobs where they can't technically put, you know, coach on the title, but analyst, staff, or whatever. I mean, Saban does that a lot. Where he, like, you know, I mean, Doug Marone, who's now with the Saints, he did that briefly with Saban. Seems like they'll go do that because it's kind of that fraternity. And Coach O's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, uh, I'm appreciative of my time. I did the fifteen and zero. I got this money. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good in a weird way. He's. It seems like what he's doing actually makes a lot of sense. It seems like what a lot of you know normal people would do, but that's not something I think a lot of head coaches would do because recent history has shown me otherwise. Well, I don't know, and and, and I'll say this: I I don't know that he's done coaching. I, I think that in just watching him when when he was at the scrimmage, and I was talking with some people about it. Now, I was at the scrimmage for a totally different reason. I was trying to get some numbers and trying to put some stuff together to to prepare me for what I do during the fall. He was just out there being a dad, and he couldn't be a dad. I mean, he was around the, around the defensive line. He was talking with the guys in between their pass rush reps. Uh, he was just watching them and stuff, and he was in the middle of the field. And I'm thinking somebody needs to tell Ed he, he, he don't have a whistle. You know, because, uh, I mean, it's just what happens is, Scott, is you, you put 30 years of your life into it, 35, 40 years of your life into it, and now all of a sudden you, you walk away, and there's nothing to do. You can have all the money you want, but look, and, and, and compensation is, is nice, and you've, everybody's got to be compensation compensated for the work they do. But but that you know, when when we got into coaching, and I said we people of Ed and Maya's age, you know, there was there wasn't any money involved. I mean, my my first job when I left USL, I was when I, I was a graduate assistant at USL, making less than two hundred fifty bucks a month as a GA, and I didn't have any other compensation for. That I didn't have a meal ticket or anything, uh, and I I don't know how I got by. I went to Livingston as a graduate assistant, making one hundred and one dollars and one cents a month. I lived in government subsidized housing, and the government paid me, and uh, and and I had a meal ticket and stuff like that. And and, and um, you know, it's just that you, you got into it because you wanted to coach. And then after thirty years of doing it, or thirty five years, not many people will do, or or, or everybody says that they they want to do what I did and get out. Out. And look, it's hard. It's hard. I, I, I still know guys that they, that have gotten out and, and they put coach on their business card as, as a salesperson because that's what they know themselves as, as a coach. You know, I, I, people call me coach around the office because of my, my affiliation with, with what I do broadcast wise. And it's also because, you know, to be honest, Scott, I'm in an office where I recruited some of the guys, uh, you know, Big K Como, who played it at LSU, Kyle, his brother, who went to Nichols and, and, and stuff, and then Britt Broadhead, who who, who played for us in Magnese. Uh, I work with those guys at Deepwell Equipment Rentals. And, and so, you know, being called coach around there, as opposed to Mr. Gerald, you know, they, they now they do call me that too, but, but uh, you know, for the most part, it, it, it's a term of endearment that we take, but it's it's hard. And, and I could see it, not this year. 
And I don't know, you know, I know you, you see some of the guys go into the media. And, look, I would love to hear it on a regular basis on some kind of a show. I just think he's got personality. He's got some, some, some communication skills. He's got a voice that's unique. And I don't say it's a bad boy. I think it's a, it, he, he's a swamp monster. Which is cool. And look, I know I I tell people all the time about my voice. I know I don't I I don't have a voice for it. I know that, but but it's acquired and people seem to be okay with it down here. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I think Ed would be somebody that I would love to listen to and get his his, his thoughts on, on a lot of stuff. Uh, but you know, is he as polished or whatever? Well, no, you know, that's and, the and, point, that, right? That's, that's why it would point. work. Yeah. But I, I also think there's an element to him in, in Gerald, you know, him personally, like he's, he gets the media side of it and how people react to everything he says, but he kind of plays dumb, like almost on purpose, <laughs> you know? I mean, yep. Terry Bradshaw's the master of it, but you know, even someone like T- Troy Landry from like Swamp People, you know, like they, they're, 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 they're smart and they get what they're doing, but they act like, oh no, that's just that's just how I am. You know what I mean? And he's definitely got that about him. No doubt. Like you said, yeah, he was he, working he, on he was working on his content on you before he went and said it at, at the at the touchdown club in Little Rock. Yeah, he ain't dumb now. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I know. He ain't dumb. He's he, he he is he's and he he's worked super hard as a coach. He's put in a lot of hours, you know, and and and, and earned it. And and I, I think that that's what happens, Scott, as you get into it, you look at it and you, you, you know, look, we've all got egos and, 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 you know, the, the ego of being called coach that, you know, some of the, the jobs, the best jobs in the world are, are the local head coach or the local assistant coach where everybody, where everything's going good, but it can also be the worst. You know, you can ask Julie about it. And, 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 uh, you know, the, the coach's wife's life is, is awesome when things are going good, but Scott, it sucks when they don't. And, uh, and, and, and they feel it and hear it, you know, coaches, we, we always got to insulate ourselves in the building. Our families don't, they still got to go shop and they got to go to, you know, to Walmart and Adrian's and Whole Foods and stuff like that. And they see people and, and they hear it and uh, your kids got to go to school. But, uh, you know, right now things are good around here and, you know, things were good for Ed. Uh, but, you know, his wife lived in Mandeville and she didn't live in Baton Rouge. And, uh, you know, that, that, you know, but, but those kind of things, you know, with him, I, I, I going all the way back to it, I wouldn't be shocked in a year or so if you don't find him doing something involved in football. I hope it's media. I really do hope it's media related. And we talked about that. Uh, but, you know, some guys that, that just, the comfort of the field and the comfort of the building is hard for them to get give up because dude, when you get out of it, you know you're a rookie now. I was a rookie. I got into to the all field, and you know people were looking at me, calling me stupid and dumb, and I can't believe you don't know what a jar is or you don't know what side tracking is and all this stuff. I said, well, you know what his own blitz is? Yeah, you know, <laughs> but it's hard to humble yourself. <laughs> you know what a fat lip is? You're about to. Um, speaking of uh, of locals, coaches. It's a new era. A true son of the University of Louisiana. Our head football coach, Mike Desimo. Coach Desimo and the Cajuns extend the win streak. G, you called it. You know, we opened up talking a little bit about, you know, Johnny Lumpkin's touchdown and and celebratory um, uh, protocol, uh, from your mind anyway, as a former old lineman. But um, overall, what stood out to you most about game one? 
Well, I was pleased, very pleased with how clean and crisp everything went early in the game. I, I really was. I think that, you know, it was hard to imagine a better start. Uh, you know, moving the football offensively, making plays in all three phases of the game, uh, you know, and, and, and everything was going well and, and seemed to be really crisp and going good. Uh, you know, they had a good rotation in there, getting a lot of people involved. Uh, I saw what I saw defensively, and it's what I expected to see, guys running, making tackles, uh, showing a lot of speed. Uh, and, and, and those kind of things were good. Like what I saw in the kicking game with, with Leo on his kickoffs, and, and then made a couple of kicks on the extra point and stuff with the chains there, which I was, to be honest, Scott, I, I was a little surprised with because I thought Kenny uh, Amandaris was, was going to be the guy, but yep. with Preston Stafford getting the kicks, you know, he, he did it early. Um, so that was, I just, it couldn't have, I couldn't have imagined a better start. When Jay and I were talking during the game, I, we kind of said, you know, blah, 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 and that was good, and blah, 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 and that was good, and blah, 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 and that was good. Everything seemed to be good. And it came to kind of a screeching halt there towards the end of the half when they didn't convert on fourth down, but uh, the start of it, and I think you've got a lot to continue with, that that was really good. Yeah, the, the, they kind of hit that lull, and, um, you know, it, after that, it was just hard to get the, the offense back rolling, and then late – you know, after the D, I think, look, being plus two in turnovers, that's huge. And that was such a key to their success a season ago. Um, as a former old lineman and coach, what were your, th- how would you grade the, the run blocking in game one? Uh, I think the inside push was not what it needs to be and then not what I hope it will be in there. I think you've got to do better and they're going to do have to do better uh, being able to just control the inside part of the running game. If you want to get physical with it, and there are different ways to do it. You can do it with the zone scheme where you're doing some some play side movement and double teams and chipping up to second level, or you can do it with, with a, what's called a gap scheme, whereas you're going to block down with two people to double team and go backside and then have somebody pulling from the opposite side just to try and force movement up inside. Uh, I, I think that they, you know, for the most part, I, I thought that they, um, they struggled a little bit you know, handling some of the one-on-one stuff. And so that's going to need to improve because you will see better defensive lines. Now, Southeastern's defensive line is comparable to some of them that you're going to see, but you're going to see better. We know that. Uh, So I I, I think that the physical part of it will need to improve. And when I say physical, just the, the, the big boy grunt girth knock people off the football. The movement stuff, the scheme stuff, the run, the outside run stuff, I thought was there. I think it will get better also as the season goes because I think that's what the Cajuns can do. I'm on both sides of football. Uh, and I think that if you, if, you, if you run at the Cajuns, you'll probably have a little bit better chance of run success just because, of, you know, if you're a bigger and more physical and stuff like that, you can do that. If you try and run sideways on the Cajuns, you, you're probably going to struggle. Just because our second and third level guys can really run. Our first level guys tend to not get out leveraged. And what I mean by that is they stay outside when they're supposed to stay outside and they got help coming from their friends that can run. And so, uh, you know, the inside part of the run game, I think, uh, needs to, will need to improve as well as just some of the one on one protections as well. And some of that's on the line, some of it's not. Uh, but just the ability to throw the football when you need to throw the football, uh, you're going to have to be able to drop back and throw. You won't be able to just run naked uh, on third down. Joe Bruce, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Cajuns win 
their 14th game in a row. Start the season 1-0, but 14-14. and uh, Talked about it uh, yesterday. Uh, Dr. Brian Maggard will be in to talk about it as well. But the flash sale happening, $14 tickets, reserve tickets available right now. Um, you can read more about it over at ESPNLafayette.com, get the details. But uh, the 14-game win streak, longest active streak in the country, $14 tickets available right now until this Thursday at 6 p.m. The deal will end after that. But uh, if you're online, you can put the promo code in, WIN14, W-I-N-1-4. But uh, the Cajun-owned box office, avoid all those online fees, extended hours from 10 a.m., to 6 p.m. Game two coming up against Eastern Michigan. And, you know, the way fans look at the game, Gerald, as you know, very different from how you look at it. Um, I think the the thing that I have been asked about the most or texted about the most uh, is the quarterbacks. And were you surprised at how they used it? And I said, I told them all, like, no, they said they were going to, he said he was going to play both. Uh, ben didn't play until late in the first half just by nature of, Eric Garrett's return, it was only the third offensive series. And Coach told me yesterday on the show that he plans on giving Ben about two to three series a game. Um, it's, you know, he said the way it was the other night maybe isn't definitively, okay, every third series. Don't, don't, don't get these, you know, I guess ideas that that's exactly how it's going to be week to week. Uh, what, is that, like me, is that the thing you've been, I guess, asked about the most or what you find that fans are commenting on the most following game one, just from a, a player standpoint? Yes, sir. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's that and, and the offensive line. And, and so, but but I, I was, uh, I mean, I anticipated going in that, that uh, Coach Desimore was going to do that with the quarterback. So I was not surprised when I heard that he planned on doing that. As you said, I mean, the, the, the plan was thrown uh, thrown out when Eric scored, but, you know, he did come back on the third offensive possession and get in there. One thing that I do like about what Coach Desmo says is that it's not locked in in stone either. I mean, if you're on a good rhythm and Chandler's on a rhythm, but you hate to break that rhythm just because you say. Now, some people will say, well, that's why you make that decision definitive and you make it in advance because if not, then you, you, you may or may not get him in the game which I'm fine with that. I mean, if, if you're on a rhythm and, and, and you're going and going and going and going and going and going and going and, 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 and then uh, Ben doesn't get in the game because Chandler's scoring every drive, okay, you know, I'm good with that. You know, uh, there'll be other games where, you know, he may get in and that extra series that he missed in the game he didn't. And so I, I like that Coach Desmo said that, that, you know, the flow of the game's going to dictate some of that. But the plan is is to get him some reps in every game. And, and – I think I think that's good. I think both guys have, have earned that opportunity to do that. You know, what, what's tough about the quarterback position, you can play a backup guard, and you can play several receivers and several running backs and several defensive backs and linebackers and defensive linemen. You can even play two kickers. Heck, they play two long snappers. They have a different long snapper for punts than they do for short snaps. But you really don't play two quarterbacks. And so you're either the guy or you're watching. And, uh, you know, to keep people engaged and keep people involved and keep people in it, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, next man up and you got to practice like you're, like you're going to play and you got to be ready and all that stuff. But it's human nature. If you go into Saturday thinking, well, I'm just going to sit here listening to the game and then, uh, 
you know, through a headset getting a play call is not going to get in, then it's going to be disappointing. That's a unique thing that those guys have got to be able to do. And then, um, you know, and, and Michael, of all people, knows that. You know, he's been in that situation as a player, uh, now, albeit not very often, you know, because he's been the man most of the time. But, uh, you know, to say that, that we're going to get him in, I, I really think that's good to do. And the other part of it is just don't be – don't be held to a timeline of when to get them in. You know, you let the, let the flow of the game take care of that with you. Yeah. It, it, so w- the way you just described it was something that I asked, you know, Coach Leger about, uh, the office coordinator and Coach, you know, Coach Desermo about before last week and didn't ask it in those exact words yesterday when I had him on, but did ask, you know, about usage and, and how it plans to go moving forward. But before the season, I said, is it, do you feel like it is a, a feel thing, right, where the game dictates it, or do you want to have something sort of mapped out more specific beforehand? And they, they both kind of talked about how it would be the latter. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know, but I also, you know, I also think as a coach, you don't marry yourself to any idea at the beginning of the season. I mean, obviously you're open to changing it. You evolve a little bit, but I, I do think that, you know, number one thing is the win, right? You keep winning, you got the longest win streak, and that's that's always the biggest takeaway. But by nature of that position, it's just and because it was such a close competition, um, and the way they're doing it right now, all of those things. That's from a fan standpoint. That's gonna, I think, probably be um, the big talking point, maybe throughout the season, Gerald. I mean, is there? I mean, do you see another route where? It's just I've 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 seen this movie before. I've been in this business a while. I feel like it's going to be one of those storylines uh, that's just going to be there, and fans are going to be talking about it throughout the year. Unless one of the two or just takes off, and it, look, it'll be Chandler. Unless Chandler just takes off and starts just doing things that that um, you know with consistency and, and and shows that he is definitely the guy. Uh, you know, and, and what, what Coach Lacey and what Coach Desmo says is what everybody's going to say. You know, you, you, know, you, you want to have it mapped down. All, the reality of it is you don't want to be tied to that, though. Uh, and then that way, you know, because what's going to happen is we're going to come behind. We'd be immediate. It's going to come behind. Well, I thought you said this. You know, but they always want to leave themselves an out to be able to get out. You know, it's but smart. The yeah. game, That's what you should do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I mean, you just – that's just, uh, it's not coach speak, it's reality speak. You know, you, and look, you want it. That's, that's why you script. That's why you do everything to get plays in because you don't want to allow field to take over too much if there are things that you want to see. And you want to, you know, you, you go into every game saying, uh, okay, what do we want to come out of this knowing? And then you try and plan yourself to get those answers throughout the game. Well, sometimes you have to put them on paper or you never really get to it because of the field part of things. And that's just, you know, it's just part of managing the game. Uh, with the quarterback situation there, I think that, you know, Chandler is in a position to, to try and separate and continue to separate himself more. Uh, until he does do that, you know, by, by making some wild play, you know, dude, to throw to Johnny there, the first touchdown over the middle, ball on time, uh, had some zip, but it was a good looking pass game. You know, that, that was, you know, fantastic. Uh, you know, the missed opportunity on the deep ball to Michael Jefferson later down the right sideline and stuff, that was an opportunity missed. Uh, you know, had that been converted, cause I mean, that's a home run that uh, wasn't going to be close. 
but you know that, that those kind of plays when those things start to happen, and I do think it will. I mean, it was the guy's first start, you know, and so I, I think that as those things start to happen and stuff, and Chandler starts making plays and ta- really takes control of the team, then I think those questions will stop being asked. But as long as there are not definitive answers, and, and you know, to be honest, as, as media, right now there aren't definitive. You know, in the coach's eyes there may be. But as media, as fans, you know, we see things that we can, you know, say, okay, well, I, I want to see a little bit more of whatever it is that you want to see because not every question got answered. Look, all, there's always going to be questions too, Scott. Uh, but but – I, I think that right now that's what, you know, I, I, I talked to somebody yesterday for a long time, and, 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 and the majority of the talk was uh, uh, about, you know, physicalness inside and offense line and the quarterback. You know, it wasn't about, man, we can really run on defense. It wasn't about, you know, uh, boy, we got a good-looking receiver core and we got so many guys involved. And, look, some of that I think was good. Some of that, you know, man, I'm not as – I, I still would like to see our leading receiver have more than two balls. You know, I'd like to see somebody with you know six or seven, and it's everybody else with two or three. Uh, but but that's just you know that's a personal preference. And uh, and it wasn't didn't even bring up Johnny. You know, how many times do you hear man the tight end get the ball to the tight end? Who the quarterback? They, they had friend? I think there was nine <laughs> total targets to tight ends um, on yeah. Saturday night. That feels like. You know, half a season's worth <laughs> from years past. Uh, they were, they've always been involved in the game, but from a, a pass catching standpoint, it, it it almost became like a, a a running joke among the fans. You know, and, and Coach Napier when he was here would almost kind of wink and nod about it, like, "Yeah, guys, we use the tight ends a little more than that, but sure, yeah, no, we we don't like tight ends, ha ha, just joking around." Um, but it it almost, you know, it just. It became something that was exaggerated as a joke, but they were, um, you know, they were active and uh, and they were involved in the pa- in the in the in the, the, the passing part of um, of the pass game as far as catching it goes. And it was, uh, yeah, Johnny on his birthday too, you know. But Chandler Fields, a Saints fan, and Johnny Lumpkin, a Falcons fan, that's about as close as you'll see to those two fan bases working together, Gerald. <laughs> Yeah, Cajuns first, though. They're Cajuns first. I know. Hey, um, It'd be different, Scott, if they weren't good players, but they're really good players at those positions. No, they are. And um, and, and final thing for you, with, with Eastern Michigan coming to Cajun Field Saturday night, 6 o'clock kickoff, um, and NFL Network. Uh, I mentioned the, the, the promo going on. We'll talk more about that next hour. But uh, what, what did it, give us a little, you know, having watched game one, looking at the film a little bit, Give us, I guess, a little teaser for G's keys for this game. Well, and it goes back to the questions coming out of the first game. Eastern Michigan, I think, is a good opponent for the Cajuns to be playing. They've got a two-time transfer quarterback, a guy that started out at Missouri, left Missouri, ended up at Troy, and left Troy, and now is in Eastern Michigan. Uh, one thing you look at when you see Eastern Michigan, if you're going through their too deep and, and, and going through their starting line, actually it's their starting lineup, they're all graduates and seniors. I mean, they're, they're, they're guys who have been around a while. Uh, it's a program that has struggled in the past but has had some recent success. Uh, they're, they're buying into the, uh, the, the, the military-type training, the Rusty Witt stuff and, and that kind of stuff that, you know, a lot of people 
tend to like to do, and so they, they and they like to promote it on social media. So I've watched a little bit of what they do just to get ready for them. But truth be known, Scott, this is a good time for the Cajuns to go and try and get physical with somebody. I think the weather is going to help just because, you know, you're coming from Ypsilanti, Michigan, down to Lafayette, Louisiana in September. And uh, they'll, they'll be frisky early. But, uh, you know, that humidity tends to grab you by the behind a little bit, and especially when that humidity on that field turf and stuff gets in it. And, um, and 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 I, I anticipate the Cajuns kind of just being more physical with them. And look, this is going to this is not going to be an easy team to do that because one thing that these guys do have, they've got some girth, they've got some mass. Uh, but but they're going to you know when when those red jerseys start getting really dark red, that vermilion red from all that sweat and moist and nastiness and all that kind of stuff, then that that's when things are going to get going good. And so I, I I like that second half physical turned around different than what we had this past week in the second half and just trying to hold on to a win. I think this one will start out a little bit different. I think Eastern will be in it early, but I do anticipate that the Cajuns being more physical and the conditions helping the Cajuns do that and, and the second half of the Cajuns. That's, I'd like to see it flipped on what happened last week. I'm, I'm okay if Eastern comes out and makes a few plays early. Uh Get Cajuns come back from a little adversity and come back and just 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 make it a fight in the second half. And I I, I hope there's an opportunity to do that. I think there will be, and that's what I'm looking forward to Saturday. Jail Broussard has been our guest. He'll be on the call with Jay Walker Saturday. Cody Juno on the sideline. Pre-game begins at four right here on ESPN Lafayette from Learfield, and uh, the Cajuns will. Look to make it 15 wins in a row and start the season 2-0. and They're at home Saturday night. Should be a lot of fun against Eastern Michigan. Um, Gerald, I appreciate you taking the time as always, man. Gerald will be chatting with me each Wednesday during the season. Um, I don't, you know, we'll figure out what, what to do uh, Wednesday when you're literally in uh, West Virginia getting ready for that Marshall game on a Wednesday night. But it's nice to have, uh, nice to have a lot of, a lot of Saturday games this year and, a lot of good home games and um, another one coming up this Saturday, man. So I look forward to hearing you on the call. And I don't know, I might I might keep a tally on how many times you use the word rascal this Saturday. Okay. You, you, Scott, you know me. I, I have no idea what I say. So It just okay. comes out. You, no, I, I'm going to do it just so, just so you know. I'll just keep tabs on it. We'll just have an over-under. I'm going to put it at like 10. See what happens. I, what, 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 what word are you saying? Rascal. The word I, rascal. I, I mean, you don't realize I, that you use the word rascal a lot on Saturday. No, I don't ever remember using that word. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I really, I don't ever remember using that word. All right, all right. I mean, it's it, it, it worked. It worked. I just you know, I I heard a lot of, a lot of rascals. Man, it's a good looking rascal right there. And he you know he came out the backside. Oh, he, yeah. No, I yeah. I, okay. Now it's I, coming I back to you. What context I use it? Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was like you know describing like. You know, boy, it's a big, big boy right there. I mean, six two two feet coming off the edge, man. That's a good looking rascal. Yeah, that, he is. Now, that, they, they've got a couple of them. Yeah, now. that's that was the context. It wasn't like, look okay. at that, look at that rascal. He he stole the ball and ran off. No, it wasn't like you were talking about your grandson. <laughs> no, it was it was very much like in a in a football centric way. I mean, come on, you're calling a football game. I I liked I liked how you tied it into the vernacular. It was good. Okay, now you're using big words and I'm using rascal. Okay. <laughs>
All right, Gerald, man, appreciate you taking the time. I know you're on the road working, but um, thanks again. Be well, and I look forward to hearing you on the call this Saturday night. Always fun, my friend. You be safe. All right, thank you. That is the great Gerald Broussard, who, you know, I loves hard knocks, and he totally forgot that it was the season finale last night. And I, I was tired. I stayed up late just so he and I could talk about it. I stayed up, like, past my bedtime to watch it. It was good. It was, it was, a, good, it was a good season. And then I texted him. I'm like, you watch it? He's like, I forgot. I could have watched it last night. What was I thinking? It was, um, you know, the thing about Hard Knocks, you get to, like, the second. You get, past, like, it starts off, and there's so much anticipation because we're just craving football. And it was good. I mean, Dan Campbell, the Lions, good subject. Tracy Walker was, you know, he was on the episode last night. He met Eminem. He was the only one that was like, man, I, I'm just, can I get a picture? I don't even care. I'm going to try to play it cool. I just want to be a fan. It was a cool moment. But you get past that second episode, and then you're like, okay, I just, I'm, I just, I just need the actual season to start. So for some, it's almost a chore to get through all of them. But this season, I thought it was, the Lions were the perfect team. Dan Campbell was the perfect coach to cover. Um, and yet, it's like one more sleep till the NFL season starts tomorrow night. Kind of ready for it. But a good season. Mentioned Tracy. You know, he was featured a little bit. He wasn't one of the main subjects, but in episode four, when Coach Campbell just lets the players run practice, they they gave the former Cajun, you know, like he was holding a clipboard, and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll, coach, I'll coach the defense. And he's out there directing the other DBs. It was good stuff. But yeah, Eminem last night on there, just stealing the show. Coming up in the next hour, Dr. Brian Maggard, Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, going to be on. As we've mentioned, there is a um, promotion going on right now for the game this week and maybe another thing regarding tailgating as well. We'll, uh, we'll hit on that, give you the details on it. Chris Landry, former um, NFL, he worked uh, with the GM, in Tennessee, in the front office there with the Titans for years. He was a professional scout. Still is. He, he runs a scouting service. Um, and just so much, just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to breaking down the tape, breaking down football. And we're going to get his thoughts on UL, on LSU, and, of course, on the Saints. He is scheduled to join me at 8.15. We're looking forward to that. So stick with it. This is the Great Scott Show. Before we hit up, our final break of the 7 o'clock hour. I want to remind you, homecoming for you, all right? You got the game this Saturday. You have two road games after that. It's already homecoming. October 1 this year over at Cajun Field against South Alabama, and you can still register to win the ultimate tailgate party for 50. Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar, complete with, like, it's, it's the ultimate tailgate because you go, they set up the tent, the table, the chairs, they cook the food, they have a wait staff that gives you the food and the soft drinks and the water, and you're in a prime tailgate spot at Cajun Field near the band, 50 tickets to the game. It's probably my favorite prize we give away every year, and uh, having you know met the winners in the years past, let me tell you something, there was a guy that won our first one like eight years ago, and he still, every time he sees me, he's like, man, I want to win it again. Only way you can win it is to sign up. It's free to sign up. Go to the ESPN Lafayette app. Uh, click on Tailgate for 50 or go to ESPNLafayette.com. Click on Tailgate for 50 on the What's Hot bar and uh, you can sign up there. 
It's free to sign up. While you're there, you might as well sign up for our other great contest as well, the Saints contest, our Saints getaway, the ultimate Houdat experience. Football's here, right? The ultimate Houdat experience. You get to see the Saints play up close and personal, live from the plaza level at the Caesar Superdome. The winner each week gets a pair of tickets to the home games, a pair of passes to hang out with DJ Digital at the official VIP tailgate, a fully catered pregame party put on by Bullseye Event Group, free food, open bar on the rooftop patio of Benson Tower overlooking Champion Square. How about that? That's for the home games. We even give stuff away for the road games. Our friends at Legends Bar and Grill, when they're on the road, you can celebrate, get the Legends Tailgate Prize Pack. 10 burgers, 10 wraps, 20 bags of chips. And if you want to go to a Legends location and celebrate and watch there and have the party there with friends, or if you want to just watch it on your big screen at home and just take all the food, either way, only one way to win, though. Go sign up. Click on Saints on the What's Hot Bar or uh, on the Contest tab over at the ESPN Lafayette app. That was a mouthful, but it's worth talking about. It's worth sharing. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. Chris Landry next hour and Dr. Brian Maggard next. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Former NFL administrator, football scout, Chris Landry, joining me in about uh, 13 or 14 minutes. Looking forward to Chris sharing his knowledge, watching the film, breaking it down, talking a little UL, LSU, and plenty of Saints with him. But right now, as promised, the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajun, Vice President of Internal Operations and currently of External Affairs, but we're going to call him the AD because that's what he is. Dr. Brian Maggard is here. One and zero, Brian. Sorry, I almost called you coach. One and zero, Dr. Maggard. One and zero. You know, we uh, it's better to be on that side of game one than the other. Yeah, uh, and to be on the right side of the longest winning streak in in, in D one football at fourteen now. That's right. Um, $14 tickets, not general mission, like reserve seating right. right now until Thursday at 6. Cajun Dome box office open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays. I, I would advise if you're getting your tickets, just go get them when you're in the neighborhood over there because you can avoid the online fees. But if you go online, you can get some there as well. Um, what made you think of the promotion, just tying it into the, to the, to the win streak as well? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, you know, we're on national television Saturday night. This is the first time UL has had a, Saturday night start on national television. And so we've got to have a packed house. We, we just do. It's time for Acadiana, Lafayette, and, and the surrounding areas to, to show up and, and really show America, you know, what Raging Cajun football looks like on national TV. And this is our chance. 57 million households we're going to be in. So we just wanted to get creative and, and you know, tie the, the win streak in with uh, 
a promotion to get people to come out uh, and support the Cajuns. So fourteen dollars uh, equals fourteen games, one in a row, and uh, it just made pretty good sense. You know, your conference champions, four-time division champs, and and running longest win streak in the country, highest winning percentage over the last three seasons. I mean, looking at the positives, focusing on that, have a good showing because you're putting that on national TV. You mentioned it, 57 million plus, uh, and it's at night, right? It's 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 the it's the ideal kickoff time, I think, for for everybody that you know, is a fan of the Cajuns and likes to go to the games. It's it's all kind of set up there for you and a chance to showcase it all. And, you know, 14 in a row, $14 tickets, that's pretty affordable ticket for a game for a team that's, you know, got the best winning percentage over the last couple of years. Yeah, we think so. I mean, we, it's a great product on the field. It's an affordable product in the stands, obviously, now. And, and look, if you live in Acadiana, you know, please do not stay home and watch this game on TV. Get out. We need 40,000 people. It's time we do something like this, you know, at UL. And uh, when we can show, you know, a tremendous crowd uh, on, on national television, that just elevates the entire program as well as the university, right? And so a great opportunity. We're going to see uh, what our folks do. and uh, But we're, uh, in essence, we're opening the gates for them, right? When you we give you a $14 ticket, you can buy a $3 popcorn, a $2 Natty Light, and you can park for free in general admission parking. That's a pretty affordable night. Yeah, it's a good a good way to spend a Saturday night too. Uh, no doubt about it. From a tailgating standpoint, is there anything different this week? There will be. So you'll see later today. Here we're going to push out. Uh, we're going to sell what remaining tailgating spots we have for one hundred and forty dollars. Uh, that's that's a hugely discounted price for uh, for tailgating. So you think about it. You know, you and nine friends for two hundred and eighty dollars total. Right, one hundred and forty dollar tailgate spot and. Ten fourteen dollar tickets um, divided ten ways. Uh, you can have an entire day of tailgating at the Cajun Field, and then go in and take in some good college football that night. Good stuff. So uh, remaining tailgating spots, and and how many do you have, man? Are they kind of scattered? Yeah, about they're scattered a little over? bit. We we have we have a select few in uh, in TG one. You know that's the the prime area, and then TG two, three, and four. We have I think we have some other spread out. I don't know the exact number. I'm hoping those go fast, but uh, you'll see today uh, how to go about uh, getting those. Uh, but for 140 bucks, just come out and have a great time the whole day. Be on the lookout for that. Absolutely. Um, I know Town Square Media, uh, we got a tailgating spot not too far from uh, the band stage. And, um, you know, I, I know that when October 1 rolls around, there's going to be tons of people everywhere. Man, it's homecoming. It happens. But this Saturday, you know, considering – the team's success, and as you mentioned, being on national TV, I know something y'all want to take a lot of pride in, and that's to the to the sixteen thousand seven eighty two that showed up. Mm-hmm. Your message isn't to them. Your message no. is to those that you know what I think I yeah. might stay home yeah. this week. That's what they, which they did last week. But your your message to them is all right. This yeah. week, let's get out here. Yeah, the other twenty thousand out there, right? We need uh, we need you to show up, and uh, again, it, it's a great time. We got Chubby Carrier playing under the uh, oak tree. Grammy Award winner musician. Um, it's going to be a great, great, great day and great evening. And I really do think uh, the weather's going to cooperate. But regardless, you know, it turned out great last Saturday. The rain stopped, you know, before the game. Our faithful tailgated under tents and under uh, the concourse at Russo Park. But, um, you know, it's just, I just keep saying, you know, it's time for 
Lafayette and Acadiana to support this program at a high, high level. And we get a chance to showcase that Saturday night on national television. Did you? Did anyone make the mistake of trying to high five you during the game, or you know, did <laughs> no. they kind of leave? Did, did more people leave you alone this time? It was or? fine. You know, again, you, you jump out on an early lead, and it's uh, I think it's calming for everybody. Yeah, but, yeah, you um, had a. I'd imagine though, that, that briefly there in the third quarter. Yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like even though double digit lead, game's not in danger. I mean, I just I'm like, I bet you, Doctor Maggard. You know, hopefully, no one's talking to him right now. <laughs> I think everybody was kind of hoping that you know we could a little bit more points on the board that third quarter but it all worked out well you know those are your first game um, kinks that you got to work through right and someone wise told me a long time ago you know you make your greatest progress between game one and game two you know win or lose it was me that told you that it was you (laughs) wise man wise man scott brather but uh but no we need uh, we need folks to show up and uh, come out and support these guys it's a it's a really good football team it's a great program and and once again man we've got we've got a true son leading leading this football team $14 $14 tickets, 14 straight wins. Uh, you can do it. Cajun owned box office, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. today and tomorrow. You got two more days worth. Those are extended hours at the Cajun owned box office. You can buy them online as well, com slash tickets, uh, promo, code, promo code WIN14, W-I-N-1-4. And uh, that will... That will help you as well, but you know there's always going to be an element of some uh, some online fees that come with it. So if you want to avoid that, uh, just go over to the Cajun Dome box office sometime before um, six p.m. tomorrow, ten a.m. and six p.m. and um, reserve seating as well. Not even general admission, reserve right. seating tickets. So it's all there, and uh, it should be a fun night Saturday night. And Dr. Magger, you're always welcome to come in. I appreciate you stopping by the show. Appreciate it. All right, don't go anywhere. Chris Landry is next. Former NFL administrator, NFL scout, football scout. When it comes to football, he's an expert. I got a lot of questions for him. He's going to answer them next right here on The Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, Drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. As promised, joining me now, Chris Landry. Worked in NFL front offices, professional scout, former NFL scout, runs LandryFootball.com. Been a little while since we've had him on the show, but I always look forward to our conversations. A wealth of knowledge when it comes to the sport of football. Good morning, Chris. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Scott. Good to be with you again. Hope all is well. Yep. Everything's good here in Lafayette. So an an important question uh, to start off here that uh, doesn't have to do with football, and it's going to seem like it's coming out of left field, but... What is uh what is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? <laughs> I'm gonna let you pick because I couldn't tell you. I, I think I've heard of them. I wouldn't be able to mention any. Uh, I don't know any songs. So. There we go. I like. I like. No. It, see, you, yeah. you just you roll with it. You just got to be honest there. Um, you know. I remember. No, like, let, 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 let me tell you real quick. I don't want to take out too much of time. Just to give you an idea where I am on um, on music. So I'm, I'm um, coaching for Bill Belichick 
in Cleveland. And he has a friend that is comes to training camp practice. We get done with practice. Belichick comes over and says, Hey, could you, you mind? I, I got to run upstairs. He said, would you, um, you know, just kind of hang out and entertain my friend there and his, his girlfriend. I said, sure. You know, and so it's not like 10 minutes and I'm talking with them and, and so, hey, where are you from? Yeah, you know, from New Jersey. Oh, okay, great. Well, that's how you know Bill, you know, Giants and all that kind of stuff. And he's got a smoking hot girlfriend. And I'm just, you know, I'm just talking with him. And so, so where do you play? I'm just trying to just, it was John Bon Jovi. I had no clue. <laughs> uh, so that's good. For, that's good. So for the rest of the time, you know, when there'd be some kind of reference to like, you know, anything in a meeting, you know, like, uh, Elvis Presley. Yeah. He was a uh, Chris, he was a singer in that. I know who Elvis Presley is, you know, but I mean, I didn't know your guy there. And I don't know if he was really popular at the time or like, he was like really known. I know who he is now. So that's just, uh, I was, when I was coaching at LSU, um, we had the guy, uh, who was the actor, um, John Goodman. John Goodman, yeah. Okay. I didn't know who the heck he was. He came by, he was visiting. He was in the movie Everybody's All American. He was the big heavyset guy, I think. And he he played in that movie, and I didn't know who he was. Shaking his hand, hey, John ain't good. You know, (laughs) he's just John. I don't know who he was. So I spent too much time, uh, even in my younger days. Uh, You're in, just a in football guy. Coaching. You're just too much yeah. of a football guy to even know who anything outside of the sport is. That's yeah, that's, that's Chris I Landry. Guess, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess so. Like, I don't know, Bon Joe. I don't know, John Goodman. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm Chris. I, I just, hey, good to meet you, man. How yeah. you doing? Are you, you from around here? <laughs> you know? I mean, I just don't know. Oh, boy. That's embarrassing. Chris Landry, our guest. He has spent a lifetime in football. Coach, scout, administrator at the college football level, the NFL level. Started out at LSU back in the 80s. Worked with Bill Belichick in Cleveland. uh, And uh, he currently operates his own coaching and scouting consulting business, serving uh, NFL and college football programs. Uh, LandryFootball.com. You can get access to a lot of this stuff as well. We'll get back to that in a minute. But, Chris, I wanted to ask you um, about the teams we, we talk about quite a bit on these airwaves. And then if we have some time, maybe some other general NFL stuff. But at the college level, for uh, the, the Raging Cajuns and, and UL and what Coach Desimo is doing, Coach Napier went to Florida. We all know that. And, and you know, I don't want to say uh, he certainly didn't leave the covered bear, but – there were some players they had to, to replace, some coaches they had to replace. And uh, what are your, you know, longest win streak in the country? Open the season with a win. But from afar, I say from afar, you're not that far away. You, you work out of Baton Rouge. But what are your thoughts on on the state of the Louisiana Raging Cajun football program and, and what Coach Desimo has right now? I think it's rock solid. I mean, I think that it's the organization, the structure that, that Billy and, and everybody that was around him um, and the administration given the support to, to put a solid foundation together. They've got that. So they, they should, uh, they, they should have that foundation to build off, which, which is not something that everybody has. So it's in really good shape. Now, Billy was special. Billy was really, really good. He learned from some good people, obviously, um, Nick Saban, who I'm obviously very close with because we worked on that aforementioned staff in Cleveland and Belichick and 
in my work with him. So I, I know Billy from way back, from the Clemson days, from you know the the time at Alabama and everywhere he's been. He was he did a great job. I think Michael's going to do a good job. Is it going to be as good? I mean, we don't know. Time will tell. Yes, there was some players. A couple of former Cajuns really had integral impacts late in that game for Florida uh, last week against Utah. So it's maybe one of the negative things, at least for fans, that when they lose players, uh, in addition to coaches in this day and age of the transfer portal, it maybe doesn't sit well with them, particularly the older guard, and I can relate to that. But I think the foundation is there. Now it's up to Michael to recruit, develop with that foundation that, quite frankly, you know, Billy had to put together. You know, one of the things that I tell people all the time in Florida, when Billy got there and he put together, you know, this enormous staff, which is very much Alabama-like, you know, I try to tell them, let me tell you how creative Billy was. When he was at ULL, he did that on a shoestring budget, comparatively speaking to an SEC budget, and he did that with, you know, GA-type guys that, that he put the structure together in a, uh, you'd call it maybe a replica model, a small replica model of, um, I guess replica is a small model, but but of how you do that. So I think all of those things are in place, and I think it makes it, it's not cookie cutter, but now you got to go and put your own spin on it if you're Michael, and, and I'm curious to see how well he does. And look, I think good start last week, saw a little bit of some of the, the clips. I didn't see the whole game, but they've got a chance, you know, to start off four and O, um, you know, and five and O. So before they get to the meat of their schedule. So uh, look, I'm excited about what they've done there. It's a program that has always had a lot of potential, I think, but you know, certainly it's, it's the model program in that league right now in terms of structure and how you do it. And that's, that's saying a whole lot. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Um, Chris, having worked at LSU when you did and living in Baton Rouge and knowing the fan base and being around it, um, the reaction, some would say, over. I mean, look, overreaction to any game is, is usually going to happen with football fans, but the overall reaction to game one um and 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 coach Brian Kelly I know that a whole lot has unfolded over there and I I wouldn't I don't even know how to like really just define this question but I'll just keep it kind of general and let you take it from there what what are your thoughts on on the current state of LSU football and where you think it's going you know over the next calendar year yeah I think the first thing that that I would explain is that People don't know, that don't work in football, they don't realize how fast and how far that program had regressed in terms of discipline, disorganization. And so people think, oh, it brought in Brian Kelly. Yeah, it's in January. Well, it's September. Glad we got all that fixed. It doesn't work that way. Um, Many new players completely hired over 60 people in the support staff and the staff changes. Um, really one, one or I mean, a couple of people on the training staff, but one coach that's retained, Brad Davis, you, you don't fix this overnight. Now, when I look at them and watch them Sunday night, what I think is most um, people will talk, go right, let's, so let's just go right to special teams. It's a disaster. We're, we can't do anything. 
They've got a good special teams coach that has done very well in the past. That's easy to fix, Scott. I mean, it's, it really is. And if they can't fix it, you got to look at there, there are two ways you get better. Okay. You either get better players or you get your players better. And at this stage, you got to get your players better. Um, you know, just some, a fundamental error that was missed twice that was costly. But the biggest, you know, eye opener for me was the fact that, and I, I'm not surprised by it, but it was that 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 really Florida State had their way with the offensive line of LSU. They, they've got a ways to go there, and they're going to have to piecemeal it. That's why they start Jaden Daniels. That's why I was going to be the guy all along even though they never announced it, it's just because they're going to need to use his improvisational runs. They didn't design those runs. They said, look, uh, if, if you see, you know, um, drop eight, you know, if you don't see what you like, run with it. And, pick, and that's what he did. And that's what they're going to have to do. So they're going to have to piecemeal it this year and try to do the best that they can. But the bigger issue and the reason why Brian was hired is because he's organized because he's disciplined, because he's going to structurally change it so that going forward, it's going to be good. Problem is, as you kind of alluded to, there's no patience. There's a belief that, oh, well, we can get it done now. Again, a lot of it, people on the outside look and see, well, two years ago, we were this. Yeah, and there's been a complete dysfunction within that whole operation for, you know, a very short period of time that made this, you know, a realistic. It's not about... Um, hey, blaming everything on the previous, you know, it's just the reality of where they are. Now it's up to them to fix it. I, I look at it this way. You come in and your, your home is ransacked or whatever, you know, there's nothing you can do about that, but now you have to fix it. You have to clean it up and that's what he has to do. And he has a lot of guys, you know, on the team that in that first year, they got to buy in because in the past, they're used to doing it another way, where they did what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it, when they wanted to do it. So they're resistant to it. It's like disciplined kids. You know, if you'd let your kids come home from school or, you know, they just do whatever they want to do and there's no structure and no curfew or anything, then you tighten up on them. It's like, well, wait a minute. This is not fair. This is not what way it used to be. This is what's going on. It will take some time. Now, how well Brian will do? Look, I can't – I don't have a crystal ball, but I know Brian Kelly since uh, Grand Valley State. Um, he did it there at that level. He went to Central Michigan and built up something that was very good and made that a really, really good upper-level Mac job. Then he goes to Cincinnati, and he builds that into a really good program that's you know, kind of winning on a national level. And, and then he goes to Notre Dame and – Look, I don't think people understand Notre Dame. You're not recruiting the same players that Alabama and LSU are recruiting. You know, every one of those freshmen at Notre Dame have to take calculus. They have to live in a, in a dorm on campus, not a great residential. I mean, there, there's a lot of things. So he was taking teams to the playoffs with nowhere near the talent level. And, and I know what he's done in the past. So all I can say is that he has the pedigree. He's done it before. He's got more resources and latitude now than he's ever had. So there's no reason for him to not have success. Are people going to like him? Well, people don't like him nationally. They didn't like him because he's a little bit, can be a little snarky at times. I say that knowing him and liking him, and but, but he, he can be. And then at Notre Dame, they hate him because 
he was at Notre Dame. And then the Notre Dame people hate him because he left Notre Dame. And so now it's, it's, you don't, you know how this beautiful state that we live in, they, they just embrace certain people and they want, they don't get it. They see the result, but you've got to study the process that creates the result. And I think it's going to take some time. And uh, I don't know that people are going to be patient enough for it, but he's going to be there. He's going to be there for a long time. And I think he'll do a really good job. Patience is uh, is a virtue, and um, it just typically, you know, fan is short for fanatic, and uh, there's a lot yes, of sir. zeal there, and the two typically don't go together. But that such is such is life in the world of football, especially you know SEC football, and and, and some fan bases, and that of LSU. And um, last, you know, question kind of tied into that by fair or not. He and Billy Napier will will consistently be compared. You know, many feel like LSU should have made a strong push. They feel like Scott Woodward didn't want to do it because, you know, the popular opinion is, well, he didn't want to hire a coach from another school in Louisiana. And, you know, how much of it's true or not, Chris, you might be able to speak to that. Uh, That's just that's just what, what people believe. But, you know, how it is in this business. Even if some stuff is based in reality and some of it is loosely based in reality, the perception in a lot of ways becomes a reality when it comes to sort of storylines. And the two will always be compared. It's one game out of so many more that are going to happen. But if you could speak a little bit on how that process came to be. And you mentioned what, what Brian Kelly took over and, you know, just how far it had dropped in a short amount of time. How much wider is the gap, or or is it wide between, you know, what Coach Napier took over from Coach Mullen at Florida and what Coach Kelly took over from Coach Ogeron at LSU? I know that's a long winded question, but I think you got what I'm saying there. Yeah, yeah, a couple of things. You know, um, known Scott Scott Woodard. Um, here's the thing, and, and here's his thinking on it. And this is, you know, not he's not alone in this with some ads, but. Scott is a splash guy, a splash hire guy. Now, uh, you know, maybe baseball and basketball is a little bit different, but in terms of football and LSU football, and this is where how some of these guys think. So if he guy goes out and hires a big name, which he did in Brian Kelly, uh, if it doesn't work, then you know, well, people are some people are going to criticize him. I mean, if he doesn't work, but but his is going to be like, well. I did my job. I hired the big name guy, the proven guy. You know, if he hires Billy Napier and it doesn't work, you didn't do your job. You're a big game hunter. That's what your reputation is. And you, you know, you didn't get it done. That's what it's really about. It's, you know, it's a, you don't, he doesn't know. I think he probably, I, 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 I think he knows that Billy Napier is a good coach, but there is a little bit more of a risk with the guy at ULL as opposed to the guy at Notre Dame. It doesn't mean that Billy Napier won't be better, maybe a lot better. Time will tell on that. But that's 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 the reason for it. It's like like the great offensive coach that comes in, you know, and he's the key guy. He wants his offense to look good, Scott. Because if he doesn't, you know, it's like, what would the public say? A lot of these guys get into this public stuff. Well, if the defense is bad and the offense is good, well, the, he just needs to get a new defense coordinator because, you know, he's, his offense is working. No, he's the head coach. He's responsible for all of it. But they tend to want to, you know, kind of, hey, the offensive guy, make sure the offensive, defensive guy, you know, and when you're dealing with an athletic director, if you're the quote-unquote, I'm going to make the splash higher, then 
Billy Napier is not the splash hire. He may have been the better hire, may not. To me, what matters is the best hire. Time will tell. And since he doesn't know, he's going to go with the splash guy. That's the way it works. In terms of what Billy's got at Florida, I think there's – look, there wasn't dysfunction at Florida in terms of discipline. There was a recruiting issue, and I think there's talent there, but there's not the talent level that's as good. So he's not having to deal with, um, you know, getting guys to work or anything like that and, and getting attitude and culture changes. What he's trying to do is build an infrastructure of recruiting, and what he's got, the, the, to be honest with you, if you want to say what the difference is, is the quarterback they don't win against Utah, not for Anthony Richardson, and he's going to carry that team. And if you watch that game, the thing that I saw that was different with Florida is they were mentally and physically tougher than they have been in the past. And they won that game basically playing Utah's game, not having as much of a passing game, but they were more focused on the run. And I thought Dan was a little bit more of, okay, we've got to do more with the pass. And I, I just think they got away from the line of scrimmage toughness. Even though they had some personnel to do it, I, I didn't think they were functionally good enough. So I think what Billy's done is just change some things schematically, and he's got a great quarterback to do it with. And that's the difference, I think, between the two. We're not going to have the answer of who's going to do the better job between the two. Uh, till about three or four years from now, but you're a hundred percent correct. It is a, we're going to be charting this, you know, day by day, year by year. And here's what we know, you know, check for Florida and Billy Napier and uh, X for Brian Kelly and LSU. But those things happen. I I, I can tell you, I, and and again, I'm not making the same prediction is going to happen, but I, recommended Nick Saban for the job at LSU back when they hired Jerry DiNardo. And they weren't really in the spending money business. College football really wasn't to the level that it is now. And then by the time Mark Emmert got the job at LSU as the chancellor, and he took over the, the, basically the coaching search and Joe Dean kind of followed along with whatever. And Joe and I were very close and it took, it took me some work to convince Nick Saban that this, this LSU job was as good a job as I thought it was and potentially. And, uh, and, and I, and I had a hard time convincing that. In fact, the guy that I credit most for helping me and basically getting it done was Bill Orange Barker, who I coach for and, and, and work for. And I said, and, and Bill Orange Barker got on the phone and told Nick, and Nick didn't know Bill Orangeburger. He only knew him by reputation. And Bill Orangeburger said the best job I ever had was at LSU. And he told him, and, and the thing that the whole working with Jimmy Sexton to explain the quality of players and the quality of coaching at the high school level in Louisiana, and it is, you know, the main school that's the only big power five school. It's not like at Florida or at other places. That was a big selling point that he eventually came around on. on. So the point is, I think that you've got to really have a a, a vision. You got to have patience at that time when Nick came in and he had to change things over. It was a problem. They lost to UAB that first year. 
and I heard everything. You are an idiot, Landry, which is probably somewhat true. You know about you know you recommended this guy, this guy's you know, and then of course things change. Am I saying Brian Kelly's going to be Nick Saban? I don't think there is another Nick Saban, but I think the overreaction that you refer to is so apt. But we are in a world now, and you have to deal with it every day. Is you know, it's what's today? What's the news today? Today, this person's a Hall of Famer. Tomorrow, he's a bum. Whatever. That's where we are in yeah, society. It's, it's and I dumb, think that, but yeah. it's not going anywhere. I'm with you. I, I, well, yeah, you're right. It's you're like right. The, 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 I always make you know jokes about it. You know, and some of my listeners do. After every game, we're like, well, how did that impact their legacy? Now we're being sarcastic, right? But <laughs> that's because that's you know coming up uh, next on this popular, highly rated TV show. How this move by the Saints or Jaguars will impact the Cowboys' legacy? Like it's just it's 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 too right. much, but it it is what it is. Like it, I can't I can't it, put it, the genie back in the bottle. It's just where no, we're at. No, and and it's and it, but it is a big part of why the people that don't deal with the noise that have stability. Uh, you know, let's, let's take the, the, the saints over the years and the John Meekham years, they responded, they, they weren't, they, they reacted and, and it was nothing in, in, in that world compared to now in the social media and the instant, you know, news, but you know, the stability that they've had in new Orleans is like to look at the stability of the Steelers. I mean, they don't win it all the time, but they're stable. They're good. And then you got, God bless them, the Detroit Lions, who are constantly trying to change the culture. And by the, it's like, you know, building a house and then you strip the foundation and start over again. Well, if you keep doing that, you'll never be able to move into the house and enjoy it. And I think that's what has to happen is you've got to have the power and the patience. And you're not going to get it from the fans. You're not going to get it from the media. But you have to hold strong if you're in administration whether in the NFL or college level, to say, I thought I, I the noise. Let them say what they want because they're going to say the opposite next week when something happens and then go back to the previous. You know, they're just going to be flip-flopping, and you've got to say, look, there's a reason why I've got this job. I've got to be committed to doing it the right way. And in the end, you're going to get graded on your decisions that you make as a coach, scout, as an administrator. And you can't let people overreact to you, and you. And but you're going to deal with that. You're correct. It's 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 you're dealing with it every day, at at all different levels, and the the, the hot take shows that are constantly saying, "This guy's awful. This guy's great. This and that." I mean, all of that stuff will will, will not go away. It's only going to get worse. You're 100 percent correct. Chris Landry, our guest uh, at Landry Football on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow, but. Uh, LandryFootball.com is where you can get all the intel. Chris, a, um, our guest right now. And, you know, touching on that point as we segue into the NFL, which you, you started to do, you know, mission in the Saints, mission in the Lions. I, I feel like as far as, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on the Dallas Cowboys, but I thought of it when you were just making your point. In terms of blocking out the outside noise, you know, part of the Cowboys being the most valuable franchise on the planet is all the noise. It does help turn dollars for them. And, you know, whether it be merchandise and everything else and Jerry Jones, everything's bigger in Texas. But I think the flip side of that is why they're often, you know, a lot of the time um, overvalued and, and, and oftentimes under deliver because, you know, 
it's hard to block out the noise when the owner, who also happens to make the football decisions, wants the noise. He likes the noise. He invites the noise. Heck, he creates some of that noise. And while I think the Cowboys have had some talented teams, and I'm not trying to pick on them, I, I, I've kind of always said, you know, as, as God bless him, as long as Jerry's still running things, I mean, this isn't the early 90s. They've won, you know, three playoff games in, what, 20, 25 years? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, 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 and as long as he's still running that show and in today's climate with everything, uh, because when they're good, the noise is going to be overbearing. When they're not good, when they're mediocre or bad, it's going to be overbearing. Always having that noise is going to make it all t- awfully difficult and just another hurdle for them to ultimately actually meet expectations, which it seems like they, they just they never do. Well, just well said. Uh, and I think what's the Texas term, all uh, hat, no cattle, it, it's a lot of that is the case. There's a lot of sizzle. And Jerry is the best moneymaker in the league in, in terms of of how to brand that. And I know he has the Cowboys, and it's difficult maybe in other places. But that market, but what he does, he deserves a lot of credit for getting a lot of sizzle. But there's not a lot of substance there. And there's never been a lot of depth on the team. They've basically given a lot of what I call bad contracts. They don't really have visionaries. In terms of football, they've got some good football people. I know a couple of those. Lionel Vitale's a good friend, and Will McClay's a good friend. They're good football people. But, yeah, Jerry is about Jerry. And the problem is the structure, meaning the players are not going to respect. I mean, they say they do, and they will show respect. But deep down, they know the buck doesn't stop with the head coach. And when that happens, you're not going to have the stability that you need. And so people will say things like, you know, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy, when are they going to fire him? The, the question should be, why is it that that's who they hire? They don't hire a Jimmy Johnson. Look, they hired a friend of mine, Bill Parcells, because Bill wanted the money. There's no question. Bill was going through a divorce, and as they say in divorce, half of everything, he was looking for a payday. I'll just to tell you, you know, straight out. And, and that didn't work because, you know, Jerry – Jerry was most miserable when Jimmy Johnson was a coach because when they were winning Super Bowls. Yeah, that's it's exactly right. Because he wasn't getting the credit. Yeah. He wasn't getting the credit. He wasn't the face Jimmy Johnson was. Jerry wants to be the face, and he wants to win that way. The problem is, God bless him, he just doesn't really know how. And he's got his son, Stephen, who's more level-headed and not – as flashy, but has not does not have the strength of a football background, and he's the key guy. Instead of saying I'm going to be the best owner in football, which he could be, and hire a football guy and have his sons and his daughters, which have, can have roles in administration and help. But look, it is football. The NFL, it, it's football is big business, but it's the business of football. And if you fundamentally don't understand football at the at the rate that you need to to compete, you you you're gonna fall short, and they fall short. But you know they they deal with a lot of hype, and they you know they sell that that we're that this is our year, this is our year, and we're great, and we're the favorites in this. They get that out there, and a lot of what he does, if you look at it, there's a number of ex cowboys that are in the media. A lot of which Jerry has had a lot of influence in getting those guys jobs. And, uh, you know, a lot of them will, will talk a lot about, you know, Cowboys. This, 
and, and there's a lot of that feeded out there. And, and it's a disappointment every year, but that's okay, Scott, because next year's the year and we'll sell that. And look, one of those years it may work, you know. <laughs> It's it's an interesting it's trick, isn't it? I, I we got um, I'm loving this. This is great, great content, great insight, Chris. I got about ten more minutes with you, if you don't mind, and I want to segue into the Saints, but briefly, if you could, Sean Payton. I mean, the Cowboys could lose to the Bucks Week One, and it's like, oh, you fire McCarthy. I mean, it's just what it's, he's going to be. Sean Payton is just going to be linked to him. He has been for years, and my my one thing has always been, listen. When, when Shaw was in New Orleans, he had, maybe not from day one, but it, it didn't take long, he had full autonomy. I mean, he ran the show. They let him, I mean, he had, he had his fingerprints on everything. He got final say on just about everything, and he liked having that. He liked having that power. And, and, and you know, in Dallas, it's it's a bit of a circus, but he does you know, have a history there. I think he's a smart enough guy to understand what he would be getting into. But I was always hesitant, and I'm like, listen, I think Sean wants to get back into coaching, and 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 I think the Miami stuff there was there was a lot of a lot of smoke with that. Um, and and yet, I, I think if he has his options, and there's some other potential options where a team has a really good quarterback, and maybe not as much media noise. He'd probably go to that, but as we kind of segue into the Saints, last thing on the Cowboys, how much chance or odds or reality do you think Sean Payton, future head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, is that something that is as strong a possibility as the media is likely going to make it out to be here for the next couple of months, especially if the Cowboys struggle? Well, I think um, the the one thing that Jerry Jones does is he's a salesman. So he was able to convince Bill Parcells, and, and as I said, Bill was motivated by money, and, and it worked. For for this conversation would go this way. It, it and Sean would tolerate, you know, Jerry wanting to be kind of out front, but Sean would have complete control. And see, here's the other thing that maybe is a big misnomer. Jerry doesn't make those football decisions. He just wants credit for it, meaning he wants to be the guy out telling you why they drafted this guy or signed this guy. He doesn't have a clue who's signing or he doesn't. Okay. Not even involved in that really. So, but, but, you know, draft day, you know, the camera is going to be situated to Jerry because that's the show. It's, you know, you know, would Sean want to deal with that circus? I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and I don't think he would, but if he had the control and he, and, and he just said, Hey, you know, because he's very close. The guy he's really close with is Steven Jones. Um, uh, Sean is. So if they could convince him, you've got total control of everything, you know, and it let Jerry kind of have his little play fun. Maybe that would suit him. I don't know. I haven't talked with Sean about it. And, um, I do think that Sean will probably end up coaching again. So that's my take on that. And I don't know if that's a fit or not, probably not as much as people think, but it would come down to certain look when, when he hired Parcells, Parcells ran it, made all the decisions and he was, a, but again, it wasn't really all that comfortable for Jerry because even though Jerry would talk and all of that, people wouldn't listen as much. And would that be similar with Sean? I, I don't know. Um, uh, that, that's an that's an interesting proposition. If it would uh, if, if if it gets deep into that discussion, how it would play out for the Saints this year? Chris Landry, our guest, are you? Um, I, I I I view the the national media and and not even the media. I mean, I think if you can look at betting lines, I think they can be telling 
Are you surprised at what I perceive anyway as I think somewhat of a wide gap in terms of, and I, as I say this, I know Peter King, I think, wrote this week he liked the Saints to, to be the one seed, which surprised me a little bit. But um, it seems like a lot in the national media and from a betting standpoint, the expectation for the Saints this season is not nearly as high as maybe locally what it is. And, and I'm not saying that I'm predicting the Saints to win the Super Bowl by any means, Chris, but I do think minus Sean Payton, they've, they've got a much better roster this year. And um, I, yet, it you know, Super Bowl odds and betting odds, they're a little bit, you know, farther and longer than they were a year ago at this time where I was looking at that receiving core and I was like, ish. What what are your thoughts on perhaps the gap between many nationally and that 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 expectation for the Saints this year and how it seems to be not nearly as high as maybe what it is from the local media and those that that cover the team a little bit more on a daily basis? Yeah, and I'm not as familiar with what is kind of the flavor of the month in terms of who thinks this about that team. Um, but listening to you, uh, I'm, I can address it that way. I, I think the Saints have a really good roster. I think they've got um, the best defense in that division. It's a two-team division. I mean, the Panthers are ways away, and the Falcons are one of the weaker rosters in the NFL. Saints have a really good roster. They they have success against the Bucks because they rush the passer well. I think their secondary is really deep. It's good. I think the linebacking core is good. This defense is one of the best in the league. Um you know, tough injury with Penning. I think he was going to help them a lot in the offensive line and some versatility and depth. You worry about that. Look, I, I think they'll be able to run the football um, in the receiving core. Look at what they have now. It's a healthy knock on woods, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. That's a receiving core that we've not seen there in a long time. So it really comes down to the quarterback. And if you're looking, let's just take the division. If you're looking at the division, I think the Bucks roster is good, but they've got question marks on the offensive line. If they can protect well enough, they've got Brady. That's a huge advantage, and advantage go to the Bucks. But the overall roster, I think the Saints can match up, match up pretty well. I think you have to look at the quarterback and say it really is about the quarterback in New Orleans. If Jameis can forget about the big plays, you can go deep, you can go vertical. The threat of that's going to help you work the underneath. It's going to help the running game. Um, may get more split safeties that you can work against. It's about Jameis protecting the football. And, and it looks like he's made progress. The short time that he played last year, and, and certainly my time there in camp, and, and you, you can get some things in some of the mini camps and training camps. I, it looks like he's more proficient at taking the check down, not forcing the ball. That's the key. You know, it's more about the plays you don't make than you do make. He can make plays. It's the plays that he that he that he can't make that he's got to make sure that he doesn't make. And if they do that, and if they get good quarterback play, not great quarterback play, not to beat Tom Brady, of course, but you you they get good play there, then I think they're a strong contender. But I think the question mark is, you don't quite know what you have of Jameis Winston. It's not like he played all last year. And it made it, last year was a, a different year, you know. Looked well for a short stretch, but it wasn't 16 games. So 
I think that's maybe what holding people back. I don't really pay much again to the to the predictions because they don't mean a whole lot. I don't know many people that had the Cincinnati Bengals as a Super Bowl contender last year at this time. I'm not sure that I did. I thought they were going to be pretty good, but not Super Bowl. So we'll see. I think the other thing to throw in the mix, who's the team to beat in the NFC? I mean, there's just, there's not a team in the East that's really strong, like the Eagles roster, the North. uh, You got Aaron Rodgers and trying to lift up a team that's pretty good playoff caliber, but you know, not, not, the Vikings decent roster, but is a quarterback going to hold them up? You know, we just talked about the Bucks and the Saints. I think the West is intriguing. I think the Rams are good. Tough to repeat. I think the Niners are good, but you know how they manage the quarterback situation. So, I mean, you could just sit there and because of the the lack of an elite quality team in the NFC, I, I think you can throw a few options out there, and if you're going to make a case you know, for somebody like the Saints or whatever. I mean, the Bucks are kind of a standard, okay, we expect that. Type. But I think you could throw in a couple of those teams. Somebody's got to represent the NFC. And as yeah. I mentioned, none of those teams are elite. Uh, by the end of the year, maybe somebody will be. But right now, uh, it doesn't match to what the AFC has. The Bills have a better roster. The Chiefs have a better roster. The Chargers have a better roster than anybody in the NFC. Anybody. So I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, the the AFC West. I mean, talk about doggy dog. They they <laughs> seem better than you know uh, most teams, maybe any teams in the NFC. And I've said that a lot. And and I guess from a, I, I know that I know how betting lines work, and they're trying to get betters to place down the most money. It's not always a reflection of what they think is going to happen. I just found it odd that the odds seem to be a bit longer now than last year. When last year, I. I mean, I, I was wrong. I thought the Saints would be seven and ten. They went nine and eight and, and played much better than I anticipated with that roster. But it's just a better roster now. In the NFC, to your point, it seems like it's pretty open for the taking for teams that are going to be good. I mean, you don't have to be an all-time great team to come out of the NFC this year, and, and I think that's good news for a number of teams. I'll tell you what else is good news: LandryFootball.com. If you want just a plethora of football content across college football, game recaps, rankings, scouting reports, all the coverage. So much content is there. LandryFootball.com. Chris, tell our listeners about um, your website and and what they can find there and how they can maybe sign up and and get a little more involved because I know there's some stuff there they can read, but there's a lot of content you need to, to sign up for to get access to it. But I've I, for years, especially around the draft, I really dig into it. But there's just so much good stuff there. Yeah, we'll appreciate it. Well, we started a few years ago. Uh, it's kind of a branch off of something for the fans as I was doing my coaching and scouting consulting work for team. There's approach to about doing stuff for fans. So that's where the website, LandryFootball.com, was born to provide a coaching and scouting viewpoint on the game of football from recruiting to college football analysis of players, teams, coaches, schemes, the same with, she mentioned the draft, um, NFL personnel, uh, NFL teams, we, you know, coaching searches. We've got all of that stuff that we keep a close eye on inside information and analysis as we like to say, if it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes, we got it covered for. If you want to understand why, you know, the nickelback is probably the, um, you know, most important position right now on, on defenses in terms of versatility, we explain the game and how it's changing at the NFL or college level, give you the X and O's of the strategy, giving you all of that. That's what it's 
before to provide that insight. Game previews, game recaps, taking you inside the film room. You know what happened. Every fan knows what happened, Scott, but we're trying to give an explanation of why it happened and how to get a view a viewpoint. So some people like it. They use the information for their fantasy. They use it for their, you know, betting or, you know, they just want to know more about the game. Uh, and we cover it all. So uh, we like to say, if you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. So check it out. Yeah, we've got podcasts. We've got the Landry Football Podcast Network. We do different conference shows in college. We do national college shows, NFL. We got it all for you there. So um, you could try it out for a month if you like. It's like nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month. We've got a discount for the entire year, which will get you the entire season. It'll take you through the draft and all the off season just recruiting and, you know, free agency, the draft and everything. Uh, that's the best deal we have for a year membership, but whatever is your, your, uh, to your liking, check it out, try it out. Uh, as I said, if you like football, you can love LandryFootball.com. No doubt. Uh, Chris, man, it's been too long. Thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, I love the insight, love the content and, uh, let's do it again, man. Sometime during the season, I'd love to have you back on and kind of pick your brain about what's happening in the world of football. Anytime you want, give me a holler. Appreciate being on with you and the great folks of uh, Lafayette. So uh, take care. Have a great one, and let's talk soon. You got it. I just won't ask you any music questions next time. Don't worry. Yeah, yes, yes. we probably need to avoid that. But. <laughs> all right, Chris. All the best, man. All take right. care. You bet. Okay, bye-bye. All right, that is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Prather. Tomorrow, NFL predictions, wild cards, division winners, Super Bowl, all of it. We're doing it. Can't wait. Call me tomorrow. It'll be fun. We got guests up next to Dan Patrick's show on ESPN Live. He had the best ticket in sports.